Welcome everyone to African Materials Research Society podcast. On this episode, we bring you a conversation with a scientist who has a wide range of international experience in condensed metaphysics, photonics, and nanobiotechnology, with a whole lot of bunch of notable achievements in her bag. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Dr. Amal Kazari. Um, I want you to start by just introducing yourself, um, who you are, your work on nanotechnology, your research work, um, and lastly, just talk about your UNESCO role uh, to us. Uh, I think that, yeah, that's the thing that we everybody wants to know who Dr. Amal Kazari is. Uh -huh. The floor is yours. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I am Amal. Um, I am from Egypt originally. Uh, I'm a physicist by training, so I studied physics uh, in my undergrad and also in my postgrad. Uh, I did my master in Egypt also in uh, uh, solid state physics, basically working on uh, thin film, uh, thin film deposition for some gas sensing application. And this was maybe my first relation to sensing, sensing techniques. Um, after uh, my master, I, um, I got um, a fellowship from Max Planck Society in Germany. Uh, and then I moved to Germany. And I would say this was like a big turning point in my life uh, because uh, in many, from many aspects, uh, of course, when you travel abroad, when you grow up in one country all the time and then you travel, you feel uh, you start to, to be exposed to different experiences and different people, which is very important. But also, I would say a turning point in my in my work because I, uh, I, I was, as a physicist, turning to biophysics was a kind of a change. Uh, but but I fell in love with the, with the field. Uh, so this was a Max Planck for polymer research in Mainz in Germany, uh, and there I met uh, Professor Knoll, who who was my supervisor, who I'm still having a very good relationship with until now. Actually, we still collaborate. Okay. Uh, um, uh, and there, so there I worked on a field of uh, surface plasmon resonance spectroscopy for biosensing applications. Uh, okay. So, so uh, uh, I was, I had to learn a lot about biology, about proteins, DNA, because basically my thesis was mainly to uh, develop biosensor to detect uh, DNA and the proteins. And, uh, and this is the field that I, I kept working on until, uh, until this year, actually, just before joining the UNESCO. Okay. Uh, because the final aim of any of biosensing is to develop a uh, sense biosensor is a tool basically that can help you detect uh, some diseases at early stage. But to do that, of course, uh, you need to do it from scratch. So basically, you need to develop the material, you need to develop the sensing mechanism itself. What, how are you going to sense this? Uh, also, you need to, to, to uh, learn a lot about the materials itself that you want to detect, like, as I said, the, the biological materials, the proteins and DNA and so on. Uh, so it was a big change, but it was so interesting and uh, I got easily into it. I, I fell in love with it, actually. Uh, and for three years, I did my PhD for three years in Germany and then one year postdoc. And then I started moving around. So I worked in several places like the States, the UK. Um, Singapore, uh, Austria. Uh, so I kept for like 14 years moving around. And, and then in 2015, I went back to Egypt um, uh, after getting an offer from British University in Egypt. 
uh, and there as a faculty position. And then I worked there for uh, the past six years, actually, uh, until May 2021 when I moved to UNESCO. And, and the British University is, was also a very important step in my career because uh, first I was in the Faculty of Engineering as a, as a faculty, and uh, I was teaching and do, doing research as well. And then I started forming my group, my research group, uh, getting getting some fund, and then uh, the university uh, gave me a very good opportunity to be the director of the nanotechnology research center that the university established. Um, and uh, this was also a very important experience where um, I did mix the research and the managing, and uh, and it was very good actually. And uh, yeah, so I joined UNESCO only two months ago, so I'm very oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> as uh, my role is the chief of section uh, for basic science and engineering. This is uh, under the science sector. Uh, so the science sector, and uh, this is a division of the science policy. Um, yeah, so basically, as you know, the role of UNESCO, of course, in general, is to promote culture, science, and uh, to the whole world. And uh, we, we try to help to promote science and engineering uh, policies and the strategies. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> thank you very much for that. Uh, you are really a decorated uh, individual. Um, you have done so much. Um, and um, I would just want to know what really inspired you to pursue nanotechnology. I mean, um, when we look at Africa, how it's set up, um, uh, I mean, um, feels like nanotechnology. Uh, more like people are afraid to pursue them, but they are really feels that we we really need in this uh, fourth industrial revolution era, like they would drive Africa and drive the world to a new whole new whole revolution. Right. So can you yeah, what really inspired you to pursue that? I, I'm really interested well, in that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, nanotechnology is, uh, I mean, the term is not old. The term was uh, just in the yeah. 50s, 60s, even after that, actually, uh, last century. So let us say 50 years ago, or 40 years, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so maybe the, the, the world was developed, but to work in the field of nanotechnology also is even newer. So I would say maybe 30 years or, or, or something like this, when people started thinking what nanotechnology is. Yeah. Uh, for me, um, as, as I mentioned in my master, for example, um, I worked in a field, I mean, the word nanotechnology was not used at all at this time. However, working in the thin film, uh, that's already already in kind of nanotechnology, because basically nanotechnology means that you are talking about reducing the size of any material yeah. uh, uh, to, to, I mean, to, to the scale, basically. So this is yeah. where many of the properties of the materials change. And due to the change of the material, this means that you can use it for completely new applications and very exciting applications. This is uh, the yeah. whole thing. So my work was uh, was like from the beginning related to to the, to the nanoscale because I work working on in thin films, which is basically 100, 100 nanometer maximum. And then working uh, in the field of biotechnology also, uh, or biosensing is the same because we deal with very, very small molecules. We deal with the nano DNA and nanomaterial and uh, proteins, for example, then you need to use also either very thin films uh, to develop the sensing mechanism or nanoparticles. Yeah. 
So it was like it was, I was taken to the field uh, <laughs> like that. <laughs> uh, and then it continued. Then, uh, uh, for example, one of the projects I worked on in the UK, it was uh, called Nanotether. And this was funded by a big company. Uh, mm. This was basically also to develop a sensor, a surface sensor. Uh, to detect uh, interaction between two proteins. And for this, the main thing was we were very much dependent on the DNA itself, on the DNA and the proteins itself, and just a glass surface. So no other materials. But yeah. still, this, you are working on the nanoscale because you control the size between these materials in the nanoscale, you control the height of them in the nanoscale. And so um, what inspired me, it just came, uh, it, it, it was just part of my work and just, it went it went with it until now. <laughs> uh, but, but then yeah. it developed a lot. Then if you notice, uh, as I said, the, the concept itself of dealing with very, very small materials yeah. it started to be popular since the 50s, maybe, or started to be known, let us say, not popular, just to be known. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, but once the, the term started to be used, maybe 2000 or just before 2000, actually, uh, then everyone started to use the term heavily. So people thought, okay, maybe nanotechnology is is, a, is very new. No, it's actually the concept is nonsense on all times, physics and chemistry. Physics, of course, mm -hmm. how to change the properties of materials. But uh, uh, it started to be a, re a real hot topic uh, not so long ago. And as any, uh, let us say, in sciences, there is fashion also in science. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so when uh, a new topic uh, appears, everyone work, wants to work, and a lot of funds go for it. And that's why people also start to work because they, they can get the funds, they can publish faster, and so on. Exactly. Um, uh, yeah, there are a lot of, of uh, opportunities you can, uh, of course, again, by working in nanotechnology because it's. Um, and there are, there are still to do actually in, in, in the field. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so, so your question, there was another part of the question, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. It's, it's, it's really interesting. It's, it's okay. Um, well, that's, that's good because the world itself is, is getting crowded. Yeah. Like people are, we are getting a lot of people, spaces are becoming preoccupied. So it's now the chance so that we go smaller so that we can have that efficiency that we are looking for in terms of health, um, climate change and science and technology, innovation and stuff. Yeah. So anyway, moving on. Um, we are coming back to Africa. Um, our concentration is on Africa mostly. So um, on the development agenda of Africa, um, what do you think is um, Africa's position in terms of using nanotechnology in driving the uh, Africa's development agenda? Okay, yeah. so uh, let us say that a lot of work related to nanotechnology is being currently done in Africa. And I have yeah. seen the report uh, that was issued by the UNICA, yeah. uh, United Nations Economic uh, Commission. Uh, Commission of Africa for Africa. Yeah, uh, this report is actually great. Uh, it has a lot of uh, very uh, good information, uh, and and uh, I'm sure you have seen it. And uh, it's obviously it tells you the countries that are focusing on or working on nanotechnology or producing, uh, for example, work related to biotechnology. Yeah. Uh, and there are not many. Uh, maybe Egypt and South Africa are the most. Uh, Nigeria also. 
and yeah. the Northern African, Morocco, and Algeria. However, uh, if you notice, most of this uh, of the work is uh, in the form of publications or patents, some patents also, uh, which is good. Uh, however, it's not enough to develop or to achieve sustainable development, because to do that, you need really to move to, to the industry. You need to uh, use what you publish or what you uh, protected as a patent in the field of yeah. industry. And uh, to do that, uh, it's also, it needs uh, the basic to be there. So, um, I mean, the, the West is, is industrial. There are a lot of industry in the West because they, it didn't just come like this. It's, they started from, from the bottom. Yeah. So uh, this means uh, developing skills, a lot of skills in the field, in the field, in the basic science, basically, because nanotechnology is under material science. And material science is physics and, and, and uh, chemistry and... So you need really to, to, the basic science is very important. Yeah. You, know, you need to develop these skills very well, that they will be able to work then in something like nanotechnology that is emerged, emerged from, from basic science, basically. And then this can go to the real applications. The real applications, this means that you have to start uh, a product. You have to start a product, for example, uh, and then start a company and so on. This is how you achieve development. Uh, yeah. uh, just being inside the, the labs and the universities, uh, it's, it's not enough. So uh, I know this is the problem. So I, I think the potential is there because you can see easily that there are a lot of skills, a lot of publications. Many people are working uh, on that. Of course, there, is a, there are some problems with the funding. The funding might not be enough uh, to, yeah. uh, to do that. But the most important thing is actually, in my opinion, is the, 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 the policies that the, the countries uh, put also or designed for this. So uh, the, initi the initiatives that the countries can have. So if if one if a country says, okay, uh, we have this initiative to uh, uh, employ uh, nanotechnology in this field and that field, for example, this will be dri driven by 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 the government or by the the country itself. Yeah, that's how people will follow, and this can be also in the form of funding, for example. Like if if there is an initiative for for this, this means that there is this uh, amount of funds that should be. Uh, that should go to, to this field to develop, for example, using nanotechnology and in, in, in this and that. Uh, so so the, I see in Africa the potential is there, as I have seen the, the, a lot of people are really working in, in, in the field. Uh, but but, but, we, but the, the, the link is missing something still. Uh, 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 the link between uh, using these great skills and the publications and the patterns, these great ideas and the work to take it really one more step to produce, to make products, to have products, uh, that's that's very important. And there are a lot of products are can some some of these things can start very easily. For example, production of materials, producing nanomaterials. This is part of the research being done in the lab. It's not difficult. Uh, it, in the beginning, it does not cost a lot of money. So it is one yeah. of the things that people can start with developing material and as you see the, the all the big companies started from from the lab actually for example a material like graphene we all know about graphene graphene when when it was isolated or appeared in 2004 it was a huge peak in science it was very important yeah. in the field of science and uh, uh, i would say maybe less than four or five years there were companies already producing uh, graphene okay. it started yeah. just in the lab on how to do the, the <laughs> this tiny sample of graphene and now you see many companies producing graphene this is how it works 
Yeah. But then these companies will drive the economy. And they, if, if you drive the economy by this kind of uh, companies based on research, then you drive also the, 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 the development of, uh, of the gap countries. Yeah. Uh, so yes, so so uh, I think, uh, I know it's not easy actually, but um, because scientists cannot go and do the product, obviously <laughs> they need the investment, they need the money. Uh, they need the big companies, for, for example, who uh, have, um, who can have, can be brave enough to invest in, uh, in such technologies. Uh, and there are many applications that can be very useful. And now, as you see, many applications are being used in, the, in, in, in African countries or in many other places around the world to teach children, for example, these small kids. And uh, this is all based yeah. on uh, developing uh, nanomaterials or nanotechnology. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, thank you for that. Um, yeah, it's it's really crucial for uh, governments to get involved in terms of policy development, because um, your scientists can do the whole thinking and do a lot of research and development. But if the people who make decisions do not come to the party, um, Africa will always be where it is now. So we really need uh, that political power to come into the science world and then we push the innovation and development goals of Africa. Yes. So yeah, uh, it's, it's really, that's the, I think that's the link that is really missing at this point. <laughs> I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And also the, the investment also by the um, uh, businessmen, for example, they should yeah. also have the culture to, to know how to, uh, invest in science uh, and uh, they, they, they don't think oh, I mean, they, they should be convinced that uh, this is not waste of money it might not uh, uh, have a, a quick impact however in the long term this will be uh, very good so this is also I mean you look at some of the big companies around the world they, they invest in science they have R&D units yeah. uh, to, uh, because they know that in the long term this is what will guarantee their, uh, their sustainability uh, so this is also something maybe missing in Africa, and I'm sure uh, I'm sure there are a lot of ideas by the governments to develop this. They just need to be implemented. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they need to implement. They need to implement them. Put them. Put some action in it, and then put more money. Let's not forget money because yeah, that's the true. important aspect. And then we we talk about um 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 the grassroots level of science. Um, um, in our conversation, sometimes we feel like maybe um, science is not really there at the grassroots level. Um, kids, when they get to starting primary school level, they just learn basics of science, but um, there's no something which interests them that there's more to science than what they are actually learning. So grassroots learning is very, very important. I think, as you have mentioned, we should try Africa to try to push more implementation at the grassroots level so that our yeah, children yeah, yeah they yeah, grow up yeah. knowing what science is yeah this is very important it starts in the yeah. school as you said in the schools yeah. of course it's very important to emphasize the uh, the importance of science and uh, also using the new 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 tools of learning so there yeah. are a lot of new tools it's not only that the school children are sitting in the classroom and just uh, listening to the teachers, there should be also some hands-on uh, experience. experience. Uh, and this is how they, they, they love it, they like it. It's not only listening to words, because not all the children 
can uh, can receive the information the same way. Sometimes they need to uh, let them do the, the thing themselves, so they learn. Yeah. It gets more exciting for them and interesting. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Um, let's talk about um, your your award by Pandemic Tech Innovation Fellowship. Um, you were developing an optic sensor for early detection of COVID-19. Um, that's we shouldn't skip COVID-19 because this is a, a novel virus that is really affecting the whole world and the whole system that we've been every country has been working on for more than centuries. But now there's a disease that is threatening to crumble all that just in less than two years. So tell us about about that development and yeah. Yes, this is actually uh, the concept of uh, this um, was based on uh, what I learned very early uh, when I started doing my PhD. So it's based yeah. on the, the surface plasmon resonance, which is a technique. Surface plasmon okay. is a phenomenon that exists in metal layers. If you have heavy metals like gold or, or silver, you have a lot of free electrons. Physicists and chemists uh, know that very well. Uh, and then when, when it's, it's excited by, by light, by certain wavelengths, they start to oscillate and form kind of a wave on the surface. So it's like a surface wave, right? Oh, and okay. this is a surface phenomena. And uh, uh, when uh, basically when you have it propagates in a certain way, uh, but because it's happening on the surface, when, when something is attached to the surface, the refractive index change and this propagation also starts to change. So we use this phenomena, we use this, this change to detect what's happening on the surface. So uh, when one, uh, like some, something like that, we want to detect, uh, gets very close to the surface, this propagation will change and we can detect it with certain tools. I am saying it very, very easily. However, there are a lot of, a lot of things, of course, that involve, is involved to, uh, in, uh, in how to detect and how to, to measure the change. Uh, so we measured this change happening in the propagation of, uh, of the wave by optical uh, optical technique, photodiode, basically photodetector. So we designed uh, the setup, the optical setup. It's, it's dependent on a laser source, uh, our sample, which we design ourselves, uh, some motors, rotational motor, motors, and, uh, and then our detector. And this is basically a lab thing. So our idea was that we, uh, this is we do in the lab since a very long time. Mm -hmm. So the concept itself is, is easy. Uh, uh, but our idea was that was well, we wanted to use this concept to detect the COVID, uh, the COVID using, uh, using the antibody, the ACE2, which is basically this antibody exists on the, on the lung. Uh, inside the, the body, and uh, uh, this this is that what captures the uh, the COVID. So the COVID uh, has, as you know, as you have seen, uh, it has like spike proteins. It has this, these spikes around it, and these are uh, proteins. This is spike protein that gets attached to this antibody. So we cannot work directly with the virus. Of course, we didn't have the facilities to do that. So what we do, we have the protein itself, the, the spike protein itself. This is what we can work with. The idea was uh, basically to de to develop a chip, a chip that is modified with this antibody, the S2, and it can capture the protein. We were studying the interaction between the S2 and the protein, and we we managed in the lab to see that we can measure this uh, this interaction. And if we can measure this interaction, this means also that this chip can be uh, used to detect the virus itself. 
This okay. was the end, and also we uh, the proposal um, uh, was was also involving uh, um, transferring this lab equipment to a small portable sensor that can be used easily to detect uh, to detect the virus. Uh, as you have seen, I'm sure you have seen there are a lot of sensors that appeared in in the market uh, yeah. shortly after the the virus, uh, but most of them in the beginning were, were to detect the antibodies, not the virus itself. Uh, but now there are some, and some of them are just qualitative. This means that it tells you there is a virus or not. And some of them are quantitative. This means that it can tell you at which stage uh, it is like, uh, it's, it's more, uh, you can measure more the concentration of, uh, of the virus. <laughs> so, uh, Basically, this was the idea, and this is uh, where I, I got the, the award. Actually, it was in collaboration with another colleague from the American University in Cairo. Uh, and now he's continuing this because, uh, yes, we started that after getting the, the award, and now he's continuing this. I'm following up with him. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, all right. Um, so uh, not to dwell too much on COVID-19, but because this virus now, um, it's it's evolving into something else. We see the new variants coming in from yeah. different time to time. So with the use of these optical techniques, mm. um, did you cater for that in, in the event that this virus might um, come have some variants and, and something like that? Uh, uh, yes, that's a good question. In fact, the detection itself, uh, I, I would say it won't be dependent on uh, the variant. Uh, mm -hmm. What could be dependent more on the variant is actually the vaccine, <laughs> uh, because this could be designed for a certain sequence. The variation happens, you know, the mutation happens. The protein itself is, let us say, you can imagine it's like a series of, of letters, right? Yeah. And the variation happens when some of these letters change. The order, either the order of them change or some one of them is removed one, some, someone. So when this order change, uh, in fact, yes, I'm, I'm sorry, it can also affect the sensing. But in my opinion, it to a less extent than affecting, uh, 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 affecting the effect of the vaccine. Because basically you have this sequence, as I said, and the, the sequence itself, um, uh, uh, so, so you have two, two things and they are like this with each other because yeah. they are fully, compl fully complementary to each other. If yeah. one of these letters changes, then they are not complementary. It will be like this. So they, they might not be, they, want, they might not have good affinity to each other, right? And this is okay. why some vaccines might not work if the variation if, is huge. But we mm -hmm. studied actually some of the uh, variation. For example, we have one publication where we compared between the SARS-1 and SARS-2. You know, SARS appeared also in 2003. And the, yeah. the COVID is one from the same family, and uh, it was kind of mutation of the SARS-1 that appeared in 2003. And yeah. in one of our work, we compared between the affinity of both to the ACE2, to the antibody in, uh, in the lung that gets attached to. And we found that the SARS-2 has much higher affinity to, uh, to the ACE2 than the SARS-1, and that's why it was highly infectious. It was more, much yeah. more infectious than the first one. But in both cases, what I want to say is the effect on the sensing is less. Uh, in, in any case, the senses, uh, the 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 sensor, the sensor would work because in both cases there is affinity. In both cases, it gets attached to the to the S two. However, the affinity will be different. Uh, mm. 
but in both cases it will be uh, it will be actually functioning. Okay. But this is a very good question. <laughs> all right. Um, I had to, I I just had to ask it. Um, all right. Uh, thank you very much for that. Um, can we let's talk about um, organizations uh, such as um, AMRS? Um, what what's your view on how they can assist and how they can bridge that gap that is there, especially in Africa, um, because AMRS would serve as a hub where we host all scientists to come in one place and try to see problems that Africa is facing and try to come up with uh, innovation, innovation ideas that would help Africa to develop. So how do you see organizations like this uh, in your view? How, how can they move forward? Uh, what can they do? What more can we put on as AMRS to move forward in that regard? Yes, uh, in my opinion, any research society has a big role in this. So I was introduced yeah. to the AMRS uh, uh, during the uh, last um, uh, the last uh, African Academy uh, of Science meeting in Egypt. It was uh, hosted by the British University in Egypt, and uh, that's why I was there. I was attending, and this is where I met many people from the society. <clears throat> and uh, um, and since I was an active member of the Egyptian Material Research Society for a long time, so um, I was involved in a lot of uh, meetings and organizing conferences and so on. So yeah. the, I, I know that the, the, uh, the, the role of any research society is actually extremely important, especially in a country like Africa, where uh, it is very, very, I mean, it's highly needed to, uh, to develop the science and materials, science related to, to materials, I mean. Yeah. So this, uh, the strategies for that would be, I'm sure uh, the society is already doing a great, uh, a great job in, in this. So promoting science would be uh, basically through uh, organizing uh, several meetings all over the year. Uh, I mean, there is the, the annual meeting. There is also there should be also meetings in every uh, country of the the members, the member states mm. of this uh, of yeah. the organization. Uh, not only this, actually, uh, engaging directly, engaging with uh, universities, uh, with um, I will talk about my experience in the Egyptian Material Research Society. So, yeah. uh, besides the annual meeting, there, there were also uh, regular visits to several universities. For example, twice or three times a year, as uh, they visit different universities around the country, and they hold one day workshop, just one day workshop. It doesn't cost mm. much, a lot of money. It's hosted by the university. Uh, just not full day, even half day, uh, three, four lectures about the topics. Uh, so the students and the faculties can be introduced to, to the scientists and uh, interact with them and maybe open a channel of collaboration. And uh, I would imagine this would be the same in case of African, it has even higher role because uh, uh, because going to several countries, I know it's, it, it needs, of course, uh, fund. However, now with the technology we have now, you have this. Uh, it's not the same. I, I still feel. I still uh, think the physical meetings are more important. However, we have at least the tool to do that now. Yeah. So holding holding uh, uh, tours or uh, three or four meetings every year in different countries hosted by the country by the university, sorry, uh, or by yeah. the research institute, for example, and uh, listening to 
several lectures from people from all over Africa of what they do, what they, how they can collaborate, uh, the yeah. open channel of collaboration or something like this. Of course, there also should be a form of funds uh, to, to fund some projects, for example, or to fund uh, some publications. Uh, or to support some of the young researchers uh, to, to exchange between the countries. Also, this exchange is very useful always to have uh, yeah. country, uh, to have the school, uh, to have university uh, uh, master students or PhD students, for example, being uh, moving from one country to the other just to get mm -hmm. the several experiences. Uh, yeah, there are a lot of things these research organizations uh, yeah. can do, can play, uh, can play a very important role actually in promoting the science. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's really, really true. Um, talking about um, hosting meetings and annual retreats for by scientists and collaborations with universities. Um, AMRS, as you know, in collaboration with UNECA. Um, mm -hmm. We are will be hosting a nanotechnology bootcamp uh, this August, uh, twenty twenty one. So, what's your views uh, towards this bootcamp? Yeah. Uh, well, I think that was this will be a very great opportunity to uh, <laughs> to, to uh, involve uh, many of the African researchers, young researchers, and experienced researchers. Uh, yeah. I think this will be great. And uh, working with international organization is always useful because it brings also the international view to, to this. It, uh, it makes it more visible, of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, brings all experiences together. Um, I, I think this will be a very great opportunity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, we are really hoping that um, the bootcamp would, would, would be um, one of those aspects where we would have, would act as a hub for, for every scientist out there, for them to come and share ideas, exchange knowledge, like you just mentioned about knowledge exchange, which is very, very important. It would be also because, important to have yeah. uh, perhaps uh, small companies, startup companies, or uh, or big companies also who can see, um, I mean, sometimes, you know, there is, some, there is always a gap between how the scientists think and the businessmen think. Yeah. So uh, there should be also um, as scientists sometimes need to learn uh, what what the others know want from him. So if uh, if we just keep talking about the science uh, inside the lab and we because because I know how much we love the science and uh, how much we get excited <laughs> talking about it. But for example, now I was explaining to you how the sensor work. If uh, yeah. if uh, if a businessman listen to this, he doesn't care. I mean, he doesn't know what is this. Uh, <laughs> And he wouldn't take me, although there are a lot of biosensors out in the market and they, it can be a very big business. But the way, it depends on the way I explain this uh, to them. If I just talk about the technical aspect, they don't care about that. So also scientists, sometimes there should be some training on how they can uh, present their ideas in a way that uh, it is that they are attractive and, uh, and in a way that shows the value of these ideas. Yeah, uh, and I think boot camps are um, very good opportunity to do that because then you have a lot of people from different disciplines, from different backgrounds, who can help each other on how to present the ideas in uh, in 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 a good way that everyone understands the value behind it. Yeah, 
true, true. Having that entrepreneurial skills, it's it's very important. Yes. Yeah, Absolutely. like you said, mm-hmm. scientists and business people they speak different language yes. because <laughs> a businessman is, is concentrated about money, whereas a scientist is thinking about solving a problem and helping people. But exactly. me as a businessman, I'm thinking about nah, am I getting dollars or not? <laughs> if, so yeah, it's very crucial that scientists learn that entrepreneurial aspect where they can be able to express their ideas and commercialize them um, in a way that is attractive to, to a, any businessman out there. Yes. Because I think they, science is also, it's like a mine, it's like a diamond, mm-hmm. diamonds, the gold. So we should get in there and invest as much as we can. Yeah, anyway, um, what, would, what would be um, your advice or recommendation to um, young scholars and entrepreneurs out there, scientists who are looking forward to this bootcamp, um, what would be your advice to them out there? Or somebody who's who doesn't know about the bootcamp and is interested in going but are skeptical about it, what would you advise them? <laughs> yeah, I think we said it already during our conversation, and just to be yeah. open, be open to all ideas. It's very yeah. important for the scientists to be open because I know that uh, being in the lab and being in the academic world sometimes make us uh, make the way we think very narrow and uh, yeah. you need to get like you are walking in a street and you really to have to get out of this you need to be very open to several ideas you have to be you have to average, appreciate the diversity and the uh, disciplinarity of science because this is very, this is uh, this is absolutely important. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you you you, are, you need to see what the others are doing and and because there is always there are always channels between sciences. There, there is no border. I always like to say that there are no borders anymore between the different disciplines in science. Mm-hmm. So you need to see these channels and how to connect uh, what the others are doing to what you are doing. Yeah. This is how you can do a big, big and important work. If you keep yeah. uh, doing only what you are doing, this will not go anywhere. You might go get the degree and you will be a PhD and you will be then a faculty and so on. However, uh, to achieve behind this, you really need to see the whole image. Uh, so my, my advice just to be very open, listen carefully to everything is being said. Uh, listen, listen to everything as you are doing it. This is yeah. uh, as you want to do it, even if it's completely different from what you think. Even listening to someone from uh, from industry who doesn't do anything related to science. However, listening to them also, you need uh, it will let you uh, feel um, what they need, what they want. Mm-hmm. Because I'm sure they they you have what they want, but it's uh, just this missing uh, a conversation. <laughs> <laughs> Communication is missing. So yeah. being open, being open to everything. Uh, this is the the most important advice uh, I can say. I think. <laughs> yeah it's it's a very most important uh, advice and it's very profound um it's not every day people can sit and tell young people out there you know what just mm-hmm. go out there and do what you think it's good exactly. do not yeah don't think too much about it yeah sometimes you just have to step in the room to 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 get the rules yes. but yeah you know young people nowadays we are we are that uh, I don't know, maybe lazy or something. But <laughs> no, <laughs> our generation no, no. is not 
it's not the same as your generation. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, it's not the business. I don't think so. It's uh, yeah. well, the, the life is different. The 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 the, the, the speed is everything is, is happening so fast and now so quick. Yeah. And maybe this is a different technology. Of course, the development in the technology made a big difference between how you think now and how people used to think yeah. years ago. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's 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 another problem. Mm-hmm. I think maybe maybe in my own view, sometimes I feel like um, um, Africa, we are still um, at the grassroots level, but then the world is already there, high there, and we are trying to play catch up, and then we end up skipping some of the fundamentals that we are supposed to have learned before we we get to that level exactly <laughs> learning the basics yeah you, you said it, definitely right so definitely yeah. learning the basics is very important we, all, we always skip because we want to catch because the gap is huge so you want to catch everything quickly but you you, you will never catch without uh, without going up the step step by step <laughs> so that's why i said in science you need really to focus on the basics the basics are very important before very doing important. anything else yeah all right no, um, uh, thank you very much, Dr. Amal. Thank you. Um, thank you so yeah, much. I I don't want to keep this conversation too long. No, People don't listen to podcasts <laughs> nowadays because they get confused of the signs and the, yes. <laughs> and everything. So they just want something short. So uh, I really thank you very much on behalf of AMRS. Uh, we thank you very much for, for coming to okay. out to the fort. Yeah. So no, I'm hoping I, to I see you at so the boot camp. <laughs> Sorry? I'm hoping to see you at the boot camp. Uh, I will try my best. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I'll try my best. All right. No, good luck. You said you have a class at 11, so I want to give you time for so that you yes, can prepare. I'm trying to learn French. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I'm sure you speak French. Yeah? <laughs> Not even. I've been trying okay. to learn. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I want to learn French also. <laughs> Yeah, so being here, I'm now trying to, to learn. So hopefully. All right. <laughs> I thank, no, thank you so much. I really enjoyed the conversation. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Uh, so thank much. you very much. Likewise. Thank All you. right. Bye-bye. Okay, bye-bye. bye-bye.